1: around Australia, wherever you might be. If you're joining us for the first time on a Thursday night, we're going to warm up the weekend and a big weekend of footy and a big weekend of sport by essentially opening up the Harcourt's open line and letting you have your say. one 736 736 A lot to get into. Prizes to give away, $50 La Cabra voucher, the goat of Melbourne Mexican food. There's tickets for you and three mates to the Gab's Beer Festival Saturday, May twenty. So a couple of days' time, including a $50 gift card. Grab tickets at GabsFestival.com and, of course, at Daniel's Dozen. Donuts galore. That's 13 donuts, by the way, Daniel's Dozen. If anyone else is craving donuts, you can find your closest Daniel's Donuts at DanielsDonuts.com.au or you can call me, impress me with whatever you want to say, and I might just give them to you for free. one 736 736 A fair bit going on in the ins and outs. Going to get to your call shortly. Ins and outs. Christian Salem will play his first game this year for Nam tomorrow night. Big one tomorrow night because they take on Yadapulti, which, of course, is Port Adelaide as we start Sir Doug Nichols' round. It's going to be a huge Friday night game. Uh, Sparrow is out. Petty is out as well. Sparrow with suspension. Petty with that foot. It's going to be a big one. Lysette's going to be in, and he has to be in, and he has to play well if they can knock off Max Gorn and Brody Grundy. That is starting to click Nicely. Some bad news for Port Adelaide, and I continually say that Charlie Dixon is by far their most important player. By far. When Charlie Dixon plays well and is in a menacing mood, they traditionally win. That quad injury is still bothering him. He'll miss another week. Uh, Mitch Duncan's out. Ollie Henry and Jai Clark out also. But Jack Henry, Tyson Stengel and Brad Close are back for the catch who take on the Dockers. Ainsworth back in for Gold Coast. Um, Actually, so is uh, Nick Holman. He's back in as well. But it's a big Q clash and a big opportunity for the Suns to stand up in a big game. And again, get more credits in the bank as they head towards doing stuff that they continue to tease us with. And maybe play September. And unfortunately, I'll touch on Sydney a little bit later on in the show. But uh, no Hickey, no Logan McDonald and no Kellum one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 And I'd better mention, because there seems to be a hell of a lot of St Kilda fans. There is a big one here. Max King in, as we knew a couple of days ago. So King gets an opportunity to roll all in. Oh, all three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 1-300-736-736. Jono's on the road. He wants to talk Essendon and injuries. And this could be a long conversation because there's a hell of a lot. There's too many of them, Jono.
0: Yes, yes, and um, sorry, just to address um, the lovely lady earlier, uh, just to give a bit of face for her. Look. Society's gone a long way, and if we remember Victoria Park and people, players getting spat on, getting abused, things thrown at them, we've come a long way as a populace. and I don't doubt that we are on the way for a better public.
1: I think that's a good point, John. I guess the thing with that is as well, we've come a long way in certain aspects, but unfortunately there's a slice of society who think they can just sit at home on faceless social media accounts and whack people that they probably 99.9% of the time don't know. So that was Heather's point. I think she was pretty much on it. Hey, Bombers, you a Bombers guy?
0: Yes, and uh, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on what the, I guess, traction point between looking at our staff as far as the injury toll versus just happenstance that's occurred and I think we're at the tipping point now where questions need to be asked because of the number of injuries and also the systemic injuries to developing players. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah I I think there's no doubt going to be conversations internally already happening and there'd be a great deal of frustration behind those and I have no doubt if you have a look at this injury list and it's not so Nick Cox is still out he's still probably three or four weeks ago. He's got that back injury. Uh, Guelphy, hamstring, still a week or two away. So the soft tissue injuries is the one that sparks the conversation of which you're touching on, Jono. Um, you know, Laverde, you know, that was sort of one of those sort of freakish ones, and that's been a couple of weeks. That's already been a few weeks, and you think another six weeks. A car for Darcy Parish is really telling, because he's having a nice year, and it's a it's a contract year, and you want to get a bit of an idea as to how much – not you're going to offer him? Because I'd say they'd already have a fair idea considering how important he is. Zach Red's got the hamstring as well. I I, I think there is... The tipping point is close, but I think the conversation would already be happening. And I, I, I know this is frustrating probably as an Essendon fan because you've been waiting so long to not just get back to September, which you have done a couple of times, but win that final. So the memes stop, I guess, on social media. But... The fact is that they've taken a huge leap forward this year, I think. And again, when things work out in the second half of the year and you've got a fixture that you look forward to and you think, hang on a second, maybe we can play September and and do something and then it doesn't quite work out that way. There's no doubt it's frustrating, but I would say the soft tissue injury is most certainly, or injuries, is most certainly front of mind in conversations already. And I think we'll get a fair idea in the back end of the year if they believe it to be an actual major concern long term, or if they just think it's a freakish time where, hey, we've got through it, now we can have a crack at 2024.
0: Absolutely. And just with your top five, because I'm fascinated with your top five games to look out for, I really hope that there's one that encounters probably a a Hawthorne North Melbourne or West Coast North Melbourne, because let's be honest, this is probably the most valuable pick in the draft that can be used in a myriad of ways. It starts begging the question of, what happens when these two teams face each other? Well, it's funny that I
1: actually got one of the games. Uh, it's from round 16 to 23, what was released today. And I've got a notable mention to the West Coast Eagles fee Fremantle in round 22, because I, I know the Eagles are in absolute all sorts when it comes to injuries. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But we know that these derbies can sometimes be fiery and a team can play well. And in fact, West Coast played really well in the earlier showdown. Uh, sorry, the derby earlier in the year before injuries got them. But if they're there within a millimetre or a loss or two of Harley Reid, who, of course, is the uh, 100% go-to pick, this could be a derby that is absolutely falls flat in round 22. So uh, that is definitely in the conversation for later in the hour, Jono, and I uh, appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Jono on the road. They've got injuries galore, them, but I, I absolutely 100% believe that there is no doubt going forward. They have taken a step in the right. In fact, probably ten steps in the right direction. Although, as as a football fan, it can be frustrating. Uh, Marcus is in Mont Albert on one 736, 736 Marcus, hello to you. Hey, mate. How's it going? Good, man. Far away.
2: Um, just wanted to talk about the um, Clarkson uh, thing that's happening at the moment. I'm I'm a North supporter, but um, I just wanted to kind of just say that. I think um, the media should be taken accountable for, I guess, some of the things that always get said about um, certain uh, issues and all that. And I think what what Clarkson's going through at the moment, um, like the other caller called before about um, Kane Corn saying something about uh, list turnover and all that stuff and how he's worried about that. But um north melbourne's never had any um well hasn't got a record of um high turnover of players um you know historically um and also like some players like goldstein and stuff they had opportunities to leave last year but um they didn't they stuck by the club so i just think it's unnecessary that you keep slamming a club that's uh, just doesn't deserve it. And you mentioned it before, how we reached prelims in 15, was it 14 or 15 or 15 mm-hmm, or 15? Um, there's still recent success there and, and they try to do the best they can. And we're slamming someone that's come in. I saw a post on Instagram. I think it was Fox footy, how they compared Fitzroy to North Melbourne and saying like in the last 70 games, whether it was North Melbourne has got 12 wins or Fitzroy has got 12 wins but one of the teams was up by one and you're comparing 70 games, but I just don't know if that's just necessary because 70 games, 70 games is not a true reflection of the club. So it's just unnecessary. It's
1: it's not a true reflection of the club. Now I don't want to contradict myself because earlier I spoke about the fact that I, I, you know, all teams go through this, but I I guess the the comparisons made of that Fitzroy team, I didn't see it myself uh, of probably the nineties, which in the end, uh, in the mid nineties, ended with Fitzroy, unfortunately no longer being a part of the of the AFL. And it, look, rightly or wrongly, and I have done this many times on different forums. When you come to a conversation, you got to find and string together historic situations that make a point for you. And the fact is that North Melbourne have been bad on the football field in the last three or four years. I don't think that's possibly can be argued against. I just what that's- I said earlier. I don't think this is the right time to be whacking the football club as such, they have to get better. There is no doubt. And you have to put the right people in the right positions. And they believe that Alistair Clarkson, and I didn't see too many people actually disagreeing with the Alistair Clarkson decision. Now, what comes out of the investigation and what comes out in the cold light of day in the not too distant future will be interesting to see where it kind of sits and where Alistair Clarkson being the coach of North Melbourne ends up. I believe he'll be back. And I believe by signing a five-year deal, it gives the stability to a football club that has desperately needed it. And you could also say the similar things about having a new president come in and having a new CEO in the not-too-distant future, having people like Todd Viney, who's been around for a long time, having Brett Ratton. we got, we got Brett Ratton. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, 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 that is absolutely past of it, a part of it. When you say that they haven't had a huge turnover of, of players, they did cull about 15 players a couple of years ago. I'm not saying they were players that was going to take them back to the finals. They famously, of course, in the year that uh, Boomer Harvey moved on, they retired them late. And I think they probably got the way they delivered that news to their fans the wrong way around. But I I, I think that they are struggling. They are absolutely struggling and they've been pretty poor for the last couple of years. But I think they're going in the right direction, which – football clubs have always struggled. They've been football clubs. In fact, I could sit here and give you outside of Geelong since probably 2000, you could probably argue Geelong and Sydney are probably about the only two teams that haven't had these struggles since the turn of the century. Like really, when you think about it, maybe not to this particular sensitive case, whether the coaches had to stand down to look after his and prioritize his mental health, but from a, from a, you know, win-loss record and struggling on a football field. It's its not out of the realms of regular in the AFL or in sport where it happens all the time.
2: So um, it sucks. Probably Melbourne Melbourne supporters probably felt the same when they were going oh, through it. Or, they lost
1: by 186 at Geelong and sacked their coach two days later. And, you know, within a decade, they've won a premiership. And, and yeah. within seven years, they were in a prelim. Now, Melbourne fan, Benny Lyon out the back, doesn't like me talking about that prelim because west coast kicked about 24 goals in the first quarter but there are teams it happens in sport it sucks right now for north melbourne it sucks right now for hawthorne it sucks right now for west coast but we're talking about three teams that are really bad on the football field west coast won a premiership what's that five years ago hawthorne won three flags less than 10 years ago so it hasn't been all doom and gloom although right now we're kind of might feel like that. Appreciate your call, Marcus. You can do it anytime time on the Harcourt's open line. 1-300-736-736. John, I'll talk Carlton with you on the other side of this. Brendan, I like where you're headed, and I think he does need to get congratulated, so you can do that on the other side of the break. And Hoppo and Hoppers Crossing, a little Bombers in Tasmania on the agenda as well. My five games you cannot miss from round 16 to 23, not far away Also. Warming up for the weekend, it's the sporting capital. Right around Australia on SEN, you can get involved very simply. 1300 736 736. The Harcourt's open line is open. The Temper Text Machine, always in full force 0433 98 1116. If you can't jump on the phone, I can tell you that if you can, prizes to give away. Plenty of prizes. Daniel's Donuts, $50 Cabra voucher. If you love Mexican food, the goat of Melbourne Mexican food is a La Cabra. And if you love your beer and you're free on Saturdays, a $50 gift card for you and three mates here to the Gab's Beer Festival. And if you can't win them, grab tickets, GabsFestival.com. Let's get to Brendan in Camberwell, who who wants to congratulate a very fine footballer. Hello to you, buddy. How are you, mate? Hit me. What do you got?
3: I just want to really acknowledge um, uh, Nick Vosson with these 200 games. There's not too many blokes who have been drafted by Richmond and just missed out on two final series.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's, he's he's been a big part of a very successful team, hasn't
4: he? Yeah, absolutely. And an absolute star in every game that he's played.
1: Hard to argue, three times. I think he was he's all Australian squad one year, I reckon, as well, wasn't he? It might have been the... He was in the. Uh, I think it was the All Australian squad in the uh, in the COVID year of twenty twenty, which was a All Australian squad year and a premiership year.
3: And um, yeah, just amazing. Uh, actually, got he got hit out in the um in the grand final mm. against um poor old danger. Mm. Mm. But he's just been an amazing player.
1: He has. Are you back? A Richmond back after last week, or do you think a little bit of fool's gold with? Know Dusty kicking four and and Cochin kicking three. Do you do you think that's sustainable in particular up forward until we see Tom Lynch back?
3: I'd like to see Tom back. Mm-hmm. I must admit, but I um, know oh, well, you know you see how we go.
1: Go ties. Absolutely, go ties. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you for the call, Brendan, a young man, Nick Vlaston, who's been a big part of that team. That uh, no doubt is one of the best of the last decade. One three hundred seven three six seven three six to get involved. Carlton, what a weekend. The pies Sunday afternoon. Let's have a quick chat to John, who's on the road. John, what do you got for me, mate?
4: Thank you. Look, just uh, to clear up from the word I'm a Collingwood supporter. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, but I do. I did want to. The reason I wanted to talk about a Carlton player, and that's in Matthew Kennedy.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: I think if that bloke was playing for any other team, he would be just about to notch 200 games. Um, a lot is being said about Vossie not making moves and so on. But I'll tell you what, the first move he makes when things don't go their way is he drops that bloke. Now, every time I've seen him play, and I watch a lot of games. I mean, I watch Collingwood games, but I, I love my footy and I watch a lot of games. And I've never seen the bloke. I mean, everyone has bad games, but he's always in and under. He gets a fair bit of the ball. He, he looks after it so much. He's harder. He's a big body player. The, the People have said, about him before that, you know, maybe his disposal's not great. Well, you know, Cripps doesn't exactly hit, uh, you know, every target. A lot of there's a lot of other. So I just think he gets a lot of his positions in and under. Is from what I can see, he's a good clearance player, but he's he's always made a scope cut. He's the first guy to get dropped when things don't go right. And I just wish it gave the bloke a, a bit of a chance. So this is just something as a neutral supporter. I just think he deserves better.
1: Yeah, you know, your guy came in as a sub a couple of weeks ago. I think it was against Brisbane, played pretty well, got an opportunity, came into the middle of the ground. A lot of conversation around that. I guess when they're, they've they got a midfield that, in the eyes of many, and myself, is, is pretty heavily stacked and has a bit of depth about it. And sometimes there's a guy on the periphery, and we've seen it a lot, In AFL, where players, for whatever reason, can't get a decent, consistent crack at it because of of depth. Look, I think a perfect example, you know, and maybe not, you know, identical players, but Lipinski's a a really good example. Western Bulldogs on the periphery couldn't get into that team because they were, you know, they were strong. Puts his hand up, says, I want to try. It ends up at Collingwood and is a huge part of their team last year that was successful and will be a big part in the second half of the year at a team that's already humming. So... Uh, there's players like that at every club, I reckon you can find. There's no doubt, John, that Matthew Kennedy's one of them, and um, well, he can play, no doubt about that. He might be someone they might have some trade value in in the second half of the year or less in the off season.
4: Yeah, well, I'm not sure they have given him much currency. Well, uh, the way the true. way they're going. Um, uh, so, and the other thing with Lapinsky, I mean, that's a good point. But he was, a, yeah, he's a much younger player. He was 2021 20, when mm. he wasn't. Uh, and he was on the fringe, but this guy's been around for a long time. He's a big body player. Strength. Um, I, I just think they could get a lot more out of him if they use some of their, um, some of their other soldiers around the ground. Maybe mix it up a little bit and give this guy some, some work to do in the middle of the ground because um, he's he looks like a clearance beast. He tackles um, and he's, he's a big big boy. So yes, yeah, just. Uh, Just a casual
1: observation, even though it's not Friday. It's a good point. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Huge game on the weekend, of course, between the Blues and the Pies. Good point, though, about the currency. Too often we get to the end of the year, a club puts his hand up or a player puts his hand up and says, I want to go somewhere else for, you know, maybe another crack at it. I need more opportunity. And then clubs ask the world for them. And then the other club says, well, you don't even play him, so how can you ask the world for him? It's a... Merry-go-round, but it is a good point that your currency does get hurt if you can't break into the twenty-two each and every week. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Hoppos in Hoppers Crossing wants to talk well about Tassie and the Bombers. Fire away, Hoppo. What's on your mind?
5: Yeah, good day, Cam. How are you, buddy?
1: Good, mate. That's right. Listen, mate. Just a couple of quick things
5: there. Um, with the Bombers, they are doing a lot better, I reckon, under uh, Brad Scott. Um, but they are doing well, uh, but the thing is, mate, they've got to, they got to—they need to get their off-field issues sorted out, um, you know, as well as their on-field stuff, you know. So what do you think is going to happen at the end of this year regarding the off-field personnel, you know, like uh, Dodoro and, uh, uh, you know, and the assistant coaches maybe, you know. I mean, do you...
1: So you're talking about the uh, the chatter a couple of, you know, maybe a month or six weeks ago about Dodoro and Josh Marnie maybe not seeing eye to eye Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, look, I, I have no idea how true that is. Of course, it's been spoken about a fair bit, and there are people who suggest there might be a a, a little bit of a situation where they don't exactly always be on the same page. I have absolutely no idea. Adrian Dodoro's has done a... Pretty darn good job at Essendon. And they've been able to get players, a lot of players they've targeted that other clubs have wanted. And Josh Marty's been around football for a long period of time and and had some success as well. So uh, I I can't comment on how true that actually is. What I will say is that the club on field have been playing great. Uh, Now, Anzac Day, three-quarter time, should have probably led by eight goals, probably should have put the game to bed, but that doesn't happen a great deal. Collingwood allow teams to not do that. And then they strike in fourth quarters. And since then they've had injuries. They've they've had injuries. They were pretty poor in the first quarter against Geelong. Since then they sort of went okay. They then went to Port Adelaide, had a chance to win the game. Injuries galore. Port Adelaide, a good team. And then they lost to a Brisbane team where they fell away in the second half due to depth. So uh, I, I think that everything's happening on field, stuff that happens off field. If it becomes a burden to what's happening at on field, then it's a concern. Their on-field stuff right now is injuries, absolutely 100%. And they've played four teams in the last month that legitimately could be the final four come the end of the year. So, uh, look, I I don't have any idea of what's going to happen if they don't get on, if they do get on, if it's rumour, if it's actually fact. I don't know. All I know is that Essendon's on-field performance has been a hell of a lot better than it has been the last couple of years. And I, I think there's a lot more positivity around this football club on field, than we've probably seen for a decade since the supplement saga. So, um, I can't really answer your question. Very rarely do I sit on the fence, Hoppo, but uh, they're playing good footy, and if they had more soldiers on the park, they'd be even playing better footy. Collingwood. I reckon they could have
5: beaten Collingwood, yep. you know, th- oh. that uh, game, you know. Uh, 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 they were in front there, you know, for a lot of part of that game, you know. and
1: uh... Yeah, I, I, well, they, they honestly, without Jordan to go, I think that game would have been done. A three quarter time and then Nick Dacos stands up and does what he does. And they are able to run over a team in Essendon who probably went into their shell a little bit, which is not uncommon for a team, a youngish team or, a, or a, a, not in, inexperienced is probably the wrong word, but inexperienced in believing in what they can do. Collingwood believed in the fourth quarter and it was pretty obvious early in the fourth that they were going to have a run at it. And Essendon just needed one goal, which they unfortunately couldn't get. Hoppo, appreciate your call, man, as always. Uh, oh, you got something else?
5: Uh, yeah, just about the Tassie uh, situation, mate. Right? Hit me. Uh, you get these dinosaurs down there, you know, mate, that want to stuff it up. You know. Now, look, uh, 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 will this go ahead? You know, like, I mean, the deal's been done, hasn't it?
1: Deal's been done. Tassie's going to go ahead. It's just the situation now about uh, the actual stadium. And I mean, I'm not a huge political person, so there's things that are a hell of a lot more you know, in the political world that I don't understand. Because, honestly, yeah. I'm a simpleton and only knows sport. But, obviously, a couple of people crossing the floor is one thing. There's a continual, you know, little bit of ill feeling right now when it comes to the opposition as well. But what I will I will say this about the stadium, Hoppo, that I think yeah. will probably get done. But...
5: Well, it, let's hope so. you know, because yeah. Tessie needed a teammate to make it...
1: Uh, yep. Look, I think Tassie's coming in. I'm not worried about that, Hoppo. I know there'll be some complications. I'll iron it out. Tassie will come in. This is what I'll say about the stadium and what they need to do. They need to put a retractable roof on it. Now, I don't know financially how much that is, but the Tasmanian team should play in the elements because that is going to be a huge, a huge home ground advantage for the Tasmanian team who is used to it you know, eleven, twelve games a year, playing in absolutely bitterly cold weather. The moment they put a roof on it, it takes away a little home ground advantage of playing in sometimes three and four degrees, which other teams aren't used to. It don't make it easier for you know the Brisbans and the the Gold Coast and the Fremants on the West Coast Eagles to go down there and enjoy nice, pristine conditions. Get them down there in the sleet and the rain and the absolute monsoonal conditions you can sometimes get in Tasmania and revel in it. Cause that's something that I think could be a couple yeah. of goals for Tassie.
5: We can't go there, Thanks for your, um, uh, uh, your chat. Good to talk to
1: you, buddy. Uh, always appreciate Hoppo. Thank you for holding on the line as well. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Aaron's in sky. Aaron, Saners, hit me. What do you like? Or you don't like?
3: Um, yeah, how are you, Ken? Good man. How are you? Yeah, yeah good. Um, Firstly, I'm very excited to see that um, the world's fastest contract extender, Anthony Caminetti, got signed up for
1: three years yesterday. Yes. I'm excited Um, to see him and Max King inside the same 50.
3: I I almost see them, if they can develop and really learn how to coexist, I actually could see them in a year or two being in the next sort of Kuno Mackay, that one-two punch down there with... The athleticism and the um, and just the the presence that Max King has, but I feel like Caminetti once he develops his his game sense at the top level, he's got that athletic build that that he sort of floats through the air almost when he's crashing into packs. So it's exciting. Um, I am a little bit concerned about our midfield mm-hmm. um, in that. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think Jack Steele's bounced back super well yet from that broken collarbone. I mean, mm. it was a pretty horrific injury, um, and he was really starting to get into his work when that happened against the doggies. <laughs> but um, I feel like if we can inject Jack Sinclair into, bring him in and out of the middle, almost like a, a bit of a sugar hit, uh, and maybe he plays 50% of game time in the middle, but floating in and out. I think he's just going to inject a little bit of pace, which I think is something that we're sorely missing. Mm -hmm. Um, He can sort of go in there and really, once he gets that football on the outside, sort of break those lines, which is something that Jack Steele, Brad Crouch, those guys are not necessarily going to be able to do.
1: Yeah, Um, that's a good... You you need that. You need, in today's AFL in particular, to be able to break the lines because the the big boys, and you're right about Steele, that the fact that he did that interview on the ground and said, ah, oh, I'm all right. And then, you know, an hour later, it's like, well, he's got a busted collarbone. He's out for six weeks. Uh, yeah. Is interesting. But uh, I just want to go back to your original point about Cabaniti and uh, Max King. And I don't want to, again, not a St. Kilda fan by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but you know what? There's a St. Kilda team, you know, that made a prelim in 04 and 05 and went oh so close. And then again in nine and 10 when went to grand finals, a lot of that was built on the back of, Kozzi and Nick Revolt inside 50. Now, I'm not saying they're identical type players, but they built together. They built a rapport. They built the relationship. They built a game plan, all whilst doing it together. And when you're able to do it, Makai and Kurnow is an example you make. Hawkins, Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron, although it's a bit different, Cameron coming in late. But when you're able to build together as young forward line players in today's day and age, it gives you a massive boost for a long period of time. And I, I hope for... You suffering St Kilda fans and been oh so close a couple of times it can grow into something similar
3: well that that would definitely be um something, something that, that we're, we're I suppose going to hang our hat on a little bit and if you go back through premiership teams of this century a lot of those great teams the Hawthorns, the Brisbane's, the Geelong's. Mm-hmm. They had that one-two punch-up forward. It was something that, that was, a, I suppose, a constant across those teams. Um, just quickly also, are you an NFL fan, Cam? You are, aren't
1: you? I, 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 I am. I've, I've got a uh, Armchair Experts NFL show, which yeah, is on well, 7 I, I thought, on Monday I morning.
3: I, mm. um, I just wanted to have a... Can I just get a quick opinion on you? I'm a, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. Yep. Um, what do you think of Derek Carr... Coming in under centre for us, <laughs> um, and then obviously we we trialled. Um, oh, what was his name? Not bloody
1: Bridgewater. Um,
3: had the knee injury. Came across from. Oh, what bloody is his name now?
1: Now I can't even remember who the hell was. Um, I was no, it Winston. Was,
3: um, yes, yes, yeah. Winston. Yep. Yeah,
1: we we, we trialled Gerice Winston. Yep.
3: Understand. Um, no, now we brought in Derek Carr, and we also had um, the guy from the Bears who came across as well, who's no longer with us. We cut him. I can't remember his name so right now.
1: So what? What I'll say about Derek Carr and uh, yeah. Derek Carr is a very capable, a very capable NFL mm-hmm. quarterback. My, my, I didn't overly like how it ended actually in Vegas because he sort of put his hand up and left the team. And I understand the disappointment around it when he got replaced. But the fact is that you know you have got to be all in. I guess the quarterback position is a little bit different to traditional sport positions. But I, I don't think I don't think the Saints right now are in that Super Bowl window. And Derek Carr's a guy who can take teams a certain way, right? He statistically yep. looks nice. He's a type of player who can control the field and he can win games every now and then. So he's a quarterback that I think is going to be stable for a team that is going to probably have to work their way through the next couple of years. I don't think he's your next Super Bowl quarterback, but it is very important in the NFL to be competitive and have a at least a, a glimpse or an opportunity to win the division. And I think Derek yeah. Carr gives that if other things go the right way. So I like him. I don't love him. I don't think he's going to be a, a quarterback, a, a Super Bowl quarterback, but I also think there's a hell of a lot worse quarterbacks in the league.
3: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I think we're building our defensive mm-hmm. side of our of the football really nicely through the draft and and with what we're doing on that side of it. I just I said that Derek Harris would be like ah. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, but that's all. I just wanted to kind of get your, your what your thoughts would be as far as, as him from an offensive standpoint moving the chain. But I think defensively we'll build this year, and then we'll maybe have a look at our offensive as we yeah. sort of go along. But I, I agree with you on that yeah, point. There's
1: probably a game or two that he might. Like, he can win you a game or two. I just don't think he can consistently do it in major games. Hey, I love your call, man. Appreciate it. No worries, Cam. Have a good night, bud. Last one before we get into it. Joe in Diamond Creek has been holding, and I appreciate it on the uh, Harcourts open line. Joe, fire away
6: can two points the first one I think everybody's missing it Hawthorne commissioned a report is that correct
1: believe so yes
6: so uh, that report gathered some allegations and they were serious allegations mm-hmm. right but he never spoke to the three people that that the allegations were made against so that, their allegations they're not proven mmm who leaked, the, who leaked it? Because the leaking of that document created untold damage. So why hasn't it been investigated on who actually leaked that report? Because those people's reputations have been tarnished without having an opportunity to address those.
1: And I think that, Joe, has been a very prevalent conversation since the situation arose and there was stuff that became... Open to the public, that was extremely unfair towards both Clarkson and Fagan. I can't tell you 100 percent exactly who who leaked it, and yeah, I. No, my point. Yeah, but that's my this.
6: point is. Yeah, my point is, Cam. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't the focus been on the
1: leak? But, 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 yeah. because the focus. Uh, well, but firstly, how do we not know it's being not being investigated, and how, how do we not know that it is part of everything that's being investigated right now in the investigation, like. Like, we, we don't because know. Those like, three and it...
6: Guys, if, if I'm making allegations against you, mm. they're allegations, right? Yeah. Until you 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 have an opportunity to address those allegations, yeah. nothing's proven. Agreed. Right? So if I leak it out, right, your reputation's impugned, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Without you having to say.
1: Absolutely. So
6: why hasn't the focus been on the people that have leaked it out? Yeah, why so... hasn't been an investigation... To find out the cause of the leak. So,
1: because firstly, created the damage. I agree, I absolutely agree, and I think that's been a, a major conversation. But ha- how do we? But, no, hang on. Been just, a major just
6: conversation.
1: Well, it has been a major conversation because that's kind of what has been going on for the last sort of four or five months. To suggest that it's unfair how this stuff's been leaked, and Clarkson and Fagan still haven't had their chance, their their rebuttal yet, or at least to give their sides of the story. I think that's. That's been pretty well spoken about, right? It absolutely should not have been made public. What I will say, though, is that how do we know... How do we know that it's not being investigated? Are we just assuming, because we haven't actually heard about it, ironically, that it hasn't been leaked?
2: Nothing can be
6: investigated. There can't be an investigation if the other people haven't got an opportunity to address the allegations.
1: Yeah, but hang on. You're you're asking if it's been investigated about the leak. They might actually be trying to investigate the leak as part of... You know my point? I
6: heard anything about an investigation. Yeah. I, so I know. I know. I, I don't
1: know. I, I know we haven't. So, I know we haven't heard so anything about have, it.
6: So why hasn't the journalist put that to the AFL, put that to Hawthorne, put that to the consultant? Did you leak it? Did you leak it? Did you leak it? Why hasn't that come out on the broadsheet? So that's my first point. Yep. My second point. And just
1: quickly, Jay, before you go on, I, I don't, I overly disagree with and en- in fact i don't disagree with anything you've just said and the fact is that it has been at different points ran really or seemed to be from the outside run really poorly the fact is all i'm saying is to use that how do we not know there's not some type of investigation to try and work out why and where it's been yeah, sure. leaked and if that actually is partly crucial to trying to put this together your second point joe
6: I, you know, i take your point cam and it's a valid point, but nothing's been attributed in the media that's, about that. That's true. My second point is, I'm a North Melbourne supporter. And let me tell you, I have absolute faith for all, for, for the first time in about five or six years in the leadership of the club. And like you said before, every club goes through ups and downs. I've, I've been around for a long time. In 93, I, I, was, I was nearly coming to terms that I wouldn't have a club until Dennis Pagan stepped in. Now, I have a look at the attacks of a couple of journalists, and you ask North Melbourne, and I'll tell you who they are, but I'll name one. Kane Corns, He, there's no balance. He hasn't talked about St Kilda at the start of the year, about the dramas that they had. He's just personally, continually attacked us right through. He, he accused us of booing at the Collingwood game. Uh, uh, Jason Horn Francis. What North Melbourne supporters were, were at the Collingwood game calling Jason Horn Francis, and I, I think this imbalance that he's showing is embarrassing to the radio station. But is it? Uh, I'm trying to work out what the motive is. Is it because we gave his father the flick back in the eighties?
1: I think you're uh, to Just, I just think I've got to squeeze a break in. I'll so the good thing about Kane is, is that. You can call him Fireball Friday back tomorrow morning, Joe. What I will say is that he, he, he don't don't overthink about why he is doing it. Kane, is as he does with everything, he speaks, and he spoke about this the last couple of weeks, he speaks based on what he's feeling and what his beliefs are on, on certain issues and many issues, many and varied issues in the AFL. Joe, I, I love your call. I've got to get to a break. I do apologise, but what I will do is put you uh, next door to Benny and uh, give it a la cabra. $50 voucher as well when it comes to uh, the goat Mexican restaurant is La Carba And, Joe, thank you for your call. A quick break. Plenty more next. Ooh, on a Thursday night, it is the Sporting Capital. We're warming up for the weekend. I've been threatening to do this all night. But the courts open line's been on fire, and I prefer it that way to hear from you. And this is what this station's about. Talk back. But the five games that you can't miss. Round 16 to 23 was announced Today, So was the fact, kind of yesterday, that the AFL Grand Final's not moving. It's been overtaken. By that I mean moving time slots. Overtaken by the news of today. So the top five games between round 16 and 23, you most certainly cannot miss. And half alluded to it earlier. The Derby. It's in round 22 on a Saturday night. The Eagles v. the Dockers. Now, it doesn't exactly seem like a game that's going to set us on fire because the Eagles could well be well and truly done. Well, they are done, but could already be on Mad Monday style. But they take on a Fremantle Dockers team that'll be fighting for their life. So Human Instinct will probably at some point possibly kick in if Fremantle are trying to get to September and the Eagles are trying to say, well, a win's going to hurt us. It's going to be a weird, weird derby. That's at number five. At number four, it's the Adelaide Crows in Port Adelaide. And I'll tell you why. Because in week... Round 19, the week before, it's Melbourne and Adelaide at the MCG. People are starting to believe the Crows can win the flag. I'm not one of them yet. But if they go to the MCG and knock off the Ds on a Sunday in front of the raucous Ds faithful, we'll start to really take them seriously. And then the week later, it's a showdown where if they beat Melbourne, they can believe they can win the flag, and Port Adelaide probably already do. Not that the showdown needs any extra sort of intense drama around it, but that's a back-to-back week for this Adelaide Crows team that has surprised many. Tex Walker not in this week, by the way, as they take on the Dogs down in Ballarat. The number two game you've got to see. Thursday, July 6th, it's round 17. It is on a Thursday night at the MCG. It's Richmond hosting the Sydney Swans. Now, two teams that... We're not really sure, on. They've had an abundance of injuries, in particular the Swans. But it's going to be last ever MCG game for Buddy Franklin. And Joey did said it really well on the first crack on Fox Footy Sunday night. We should be celebrating this guy. We should absolutely be celebrating this guy. And that's going to be the last major time we'll see him. He does play. He does play at Marvel Stadium in round 20 against the Bombers. So we'll see him in Melbourne again. But a man who twice went there in the biggest stage and got it done as part of the Hawks, that Thursday night, we should be 80,000, 85,000 there. We should be jam-packed. Again, two teams fighting for their lives. And the number one game you just absolutely cannot miss is round 23 at Marvel Stadium. At Marvel Stadium, the Pies and the Lions. This might be a grand final preview under the lid. Friday, August 18th. Possibly a grand final preview, and I'm going to tip, should break the record, should break the Marvel Stadium record for spectators at an AFL game. Round 23, Friday, August 18th, the Pies v. the Lions, number one game, 16-23, to 23, the rounds were announced today.